Welcome back to Left Anchor. I'm Alexi the Greek. And I'm Ryan Cooper. Uh, just the two of us today, the OGs, back in the podcasting bunker. Woohoo! Um, and uh, today, today we're going to do a kind of debate recap and, um, you know, sort of consider the state of the, the, the 2020 primary. You know, the, um, the, the first votes are coming up and people are going to be making their decisions uh, in Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's, uh, it's become a, a, a time of choosing and, and there's been some revealing, uh, developments, I would say in the primary, certainly for me. Um, this is Ryan very angry. He's very angry right now <laughs> and he'll talk about it later. I'm spitting mad. Uh, but yeah, you know, so maybe we could start with a bit of a debate recap, I was, uh, you know, I was watching it because I had to, I had to work the debate because I have to work every debate. Because you're a wage slave under capitalism. Well, yeah, and my my the the, the causal link here could keep going back. This could take a while, but mm-hmm. um, but you know, my job uh, requires that. Um, and so so the background here is this dispute. And I think, I think, you know, for lefties, probably people listening to this podcast, um, the, the most, uh, important news item has been this dispute between Sanders and Warren over a meeting they had in December, 2018. Um, and on Monday, CNN reported the, the, this, you know, reported and also, Put a uh, uh, put a breathless new spin on this meeting, which had been covered at the time by the New York Times and and other outlets, that Sanders had said that uh, a woman can't win the presidency. The presidency, and Sanders categorically denied saying this, and Warren didn't say anything. Yeah, the she, whole camp, the the team for a while kind of dodged this. Yeah. Um, and then after a couple of days, did in fact confirm the, uh, you know, that that was, you know, her recollection of events. And so this came up in the debate. Um, and this, the CNN moderators, they, they framed it in a classic, uh, you know, when did you stop beating your wife type of frame? First, they asked uh, Sanders, why did you say that? And he said, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't say that, you know, look, I've, you know, I've been saying for 30 years that a woman can and should be president. I asked Elizabeth herself to run in 2015. Hillary Clinton got more votes. You know, I'll support any woman if if they happen to win uh, this primary. 30 years ago, there's a YouTube video of me saying that yeah. women can win the presidency 30 years ago. More than 30 years more ago. More than 30 years ago. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in 1988. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, that was kind of a, another funny moment in the debate when uh, Warren said that she was the only one who defeated a Republican in the last thirty years. In the last thirty years, and in fact, <laughs> Sand. You know, I went back and did the math on this, and and Sanders had defeated his Republican incumbent from a seat that the Republicans had held for over a hundred years um, in uh, November of nineteen ninety. And so that is because it's not November 2020 yet. It's 29 years and two months and nine days at the time the debate was happening. And um, so that was 
That was a lie. It was a lie. <laughs> lie. Well, it, you know. It Another was, retort that uh, was pretty good is uh, he unseated a Republican when she still was a Republican. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, yeah, fact, factually true. That that's true. Um, you know, I mean, I think her her politics at that point were pretty wishy washy, and you know, she was kind of coming around in many ways. But you know, it was it was. <laughs> I mean, that's a sort of a nitpick. Like, like I think it is pretty impressive for a socialist to defeat a re- incumbent Republican that's held the seat for that long. But also, on the other hand, Elizabeth Warren has only run for office twice. In 2012, and then for re-election last year, you know, in a very blue state, and like, that's really not. Your margins weren't tremendous either. Let's just yeah, say. Be- beating Scott Brown in Massachusetts, what which Barack Obama won by like 27 percentage points in 2012, is really not uh, the the great. And in fact, I think she did worse than him uh, in the so, vote totals. So we'll circle back to to that. Petty Picayune, also incorrect <laughs> argument that uh, that because even if it was correct, Warren was basically arguing that your victory doesn't count because it's you know yeah. Amy Klobuchar has a decent argument, even though Minnesota is also a blue state. It's not as blue as Massachusetts, and she has a longer record of of harder victories. But Elizabeth Warren, like, come on, no, You're this not is a, part and parcel of a a clear attack on Bernie and his campaign in order to separate herself in some way and, and kind of revive a lagging uh, campaign. So yeah. let's let's go back to the the real kind of um, yeah so nasty the, stuff. Back to the debate. Then the then the moderator turns to Warren and just completely dis- takes Warren's side. When it she she it was Abby Phillip and she said basically, you know, when Sanders said that to you how did you feel? How did you feel? Right. Right. Which immediately followed from a complete one hundred percent denial that did not happen. Yeah, and as you know, and as any kind of neutral journalist, you know there are no facts you can turn to. There's no recording. There's no stenographer. Nobody else was present in the meeting. It's his word against hers. In the after, in the post debate, did you see in the post debate uh, commentary one of the commentators uh, who turns out was a former Hillary person? I think the communications. Um, one, if not the director, one of the comms people for the Hillary campaign uh, said, this is not just he said, she said, this was a CNN report with sources. And even Anderson Cooper had to say, well, to be fair, it is exactly he said, she said, <laughs> because there was no one else in the room. And the, right. basically those sources that are just people she had told her side of the story to. Yeah. But then on Twitter, some other journalist says, you know, routinely we journalists uh, take as evidence somebody telling a consistent story to multiple sources. Right. And, uh, you know, that's okay. Fair enough. But it's still the same evidence. And it's yes. no more reliable than Bernie giving his side. You right. know, he could do the exact same thing, <laughs> yeah. you know, talk to a bunch of different people and then tell them to go to the press. And like, oh, look, yes. you know, now it's like, come on. It's no less than uh, Joe Scarborough and Micah Brzezinski were, were like genuinely outraged at this, saying like, like, what you know? Come on, you 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 can't take sides in this type of dispute. You know you have to get uh you have to get his side and then her side. As- especially when if you're going to be you know the jury on this rather than let the American people be the the jury to decide on this, you're weighing in on something that just is illogical for Bernie to have said, given the fact that he supported and tried to get her to run instead of him last time, 
and then she yeah. didn't do it, right? And like his record as a socialist and his, like all the evidence would support, oh, maybe we should probably believe that he wouldn't say that or there was at least a misunderstanding. Yeah, I mean, it's extraordinarily out of character. Like Joe Biden would say something like that and in fact has implied it. Because he is actually a misogynist. <laughs> well, it, you know, I mean... Unless you think that liking women is all the touching he's doing with them. That's not the same thing as <laughs> as really loving women. That's not what we mean by being a feminist. Well, you you could say, you know, that uh, there's too much misogyny. We can't nominate a woman because of sheer tactics. And, and to say, like, you know, I would support that in the abstract, but we just it just can't happen. By now. the way, even among Warren's two sources, I believe, one of the sources said that, that it was not that he said uh, um, a woman couldn't win, but it was precisely some version of of the fact that Trump would be especially vicious and use uh, a woman candidate's gender against her, and yeah. and was more a, a kind of analytical point about what Trump would do, and and that would be something we have to kind of think about as a party. Yeah, yeah, and and you know that's uh, that's a fair point. It's true. Um, <laughs> it's true. I don't think it's dispositive. Just like I don't think it was dispositive for Barack Obama. You know, no, with the racism. Not in only not only that, but like you know, details matter. The devil's in the details. Saying that it's harder to win the office against kind of a right populist or faux populist demagogue who's going to weaponize sexism which is true, is not the same thing that that challenge is impossible to overcome and that we shouldn't fight for it anyway or something, right? It's not, this, it's not the same thing as saying women shouldn't run for president, right? Yeah, yeah. Which he has been saying women should run for president and be president for the last 40 years or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, furthermore, this, this would potentially be a problem for Bernie as the first Jewish candidate. Sure. Because if he's nominated— um, he's going to face a shitload of anti-Semitism from, you know, Trump ran a fucking baldly anti-Semitic campaign in 2016. You know, it was all about how the bankers at the Federal Reserve and Goldman Sachs, these globalist elites, um, you know, they control world politics. Um, you know, Soros and I mean, Josh Hawley, you know, gave that famous speech about how the rootless cosmopolitans. We have an are, episode on that and we'll link to it if people haven't heard it and should listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a factor, too. But I also don't think that that's dispositive either. You know, I don't think these are are things that you should give in to. No. Well, and these strategic considerations, uh, first of all, they go against the whole point of a leftist movement, which is not to kind of like think you know the conditions of possibility and what's politically viable so that you can then circumscribe those limits and then not fight for what you want and just say, oh, well, I guess we better just, you know, get Joe Biden in there. Which, by the way, Joe Biden explicitly argued for himself as the white man, right? Yeah. And, and that that is an advantage to beating Trump. No one gives a shit because the point here is to attack the leftist candidate. And the point here for not just the media, which atrocious how CNN handled that. Um, not just for, you know, this being another one of so many Bernie hating, Bernie ignoring until it became Bernie attacking, right? Modes of yep. being for the media. But the Warren campaign clearly, this is so obviously a cynical deployment, right? Of, of a kind of a nasty, um, just if she really was affronted by this, okay. 
this was 2018, December 2018. Yep. In the interim, they were buddies. They were allies. They were high-fiving each other. They were tag-teaming against the other candidates in the debates. Like, why the hell is this suddenly a visceral thing that she's upset about, right? Why is it clearly something that got leaked just before the Iowa caucuses when her campaign is kind of on the decline and her numbers are going down? This seems like so clearly a designed thing to try to pull for me, former Hillary voters are, or the kind of faux identity politics people who would like just say, yeah, I'm with her, right? Which was the slogan of Hillary. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's hard to, to, uh, overlook the sort of, uh, tactical, you know, background. And yeah, as you say, you know, the caucuses are coming up. She's been sitting on this story for forever and, you know, I've heard people say that, that, you know, it was Bernie who first broke the truce with, you know, there was a story about, uh, there's a campaign, a campaign volunteer script that got coverage also in CNN, you know, that they, they ran it as Bernie campaign calling Warren the candidate of the elite. (laughs) And it was a volunteer script that was, you know, from what I can tell, written by volunteers which in which, you know, if you're if you're calling someone and they're and they say they're leaning towards Warren, then here are the talking points. And the talking points were Warren's base is white and high, affluent. affluent, you know, say like that. Bernie's going to bring in a broader coalition. He'll, he has a better chance of beating Trump. Not even any criticism of her directly. Just totally true. Totally. Yep. Just our candidate is better for X, Y, Z reason. By the way, though. Isn't it? It might be true that that was a fake memo. That that isn't actually true. I've heard. Do, do we know? I I don't know that that's been confirmed. It doesn't really matter though, because it's not even an egregious. Besides not being coordinated with Bernie or like just being like one random talking point approach. Even if it was coordinated, even if it was what every single phone banker for Bernie was doing, totally legitimate and fine. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, and you know, again, that is a true statement. Warren's base is more highly educated, wider, and more affluent. And legitimate risk, like when we had Matt Carpon, do he did not, and I don't think we did at that time either. Do you really expect someone whose um, personal background is kind of that professional managerial class, but also whose supporters? are coming from that more privileged background, is that the person you really think is going to lead the revolution, re- lead the movement, right? That yeah. will, that, and, and that's a legitimate question to raise, right? Yeah, and I, and I mean, like, th- this is so far from trying to stick the knife in with this kind of, like, like uh, unresolvable dispute about a conversation that, that two people had that, you know... It's it's really smacks to me of of Hillary's 2016 campaign that Bernie's a sexist and that, you know, he doesn't like it when women succeed. And, you know, Warren's sort of taken up, I think, some of the former Kamala people who were, you know, in the Clinton campaign. These guys are and gals are pretty cynical. They're willing to weaponize identity politics. Um, And maybe just the fact that Warren... uh, you know, it it looks like uh, 
you know, she's not even she'll she'll be second or third or fourth place in the first few few uh, primaries, and that would probably be the end of it for her, you know. Um, and we can't know for sure what happened again, which is all the more irritating because, uh, you know, you can't resolve this thing. You know, you can't defend Bernie can't defend himself and Warren can't prove the allegation either beyond any sort of uh, a shadow of a doubt because it's just his word against hers. And, um, it seems to me like this was the card that they had to play. And so that's what they went with. And, uh, you know, it, 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 I think it bears, you know, I, I've been uh, much to the detriment of, of many of my online uh, 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 acquaintances fairly soft on Warren, even though, you know, since the beginning I've been a, a Bernie supporter. But this to me is just the the kind of last straw. You know, she backed off on Medicare for all in an, and I would say a very tactically incompetent fashion. You know, the kind of classic failed straddle where you're trying to you know, play to both sides and play to neither one. And that's when our polls started tanking. And um, now I just, you know, it's just like. So this goes to character. And yeah. for me, I was, I wouldn't say that. I mean, you could say I was soft on Warren, but I was clearly, I, you clearly were also in favor of Bernie and it wasn't even close. But we both agreed that Warren was kind of, um, at least in the same universe. And the two of them were the left in terms of the democratic primary and everyone else was a categorical difference. Um, you know, we thought that she was more like a good liberal as Liza Featherstone said on the podcast. Uh, she, she clearly like thinks you can reform capitalism. Um, but at the end of the day, she had so many bold policies that weren't that different, right. In character, uh, or, or in, um, potential effect. But the big warning sign was this Medicare for all, what we could call like a, a backtrack, right? Like back up the bus. We should yeah. have a drop. Boop, boop, boop. Yeah. You know, that'd be good. Um, <laughs> but then there were people that differed. They said, you know what? She's just spelling out what's actually going to happen. And we can disagree about the fact that that's dumb to do that. that you sh- even if you think that's what will happen, you should just push for uh, unabashed, right? Single yeah. payer. And then if you have to right? Do it the way that she proposed. Okay. Then that's, that's like the compromise, but you don't lead with the compromise, but that whole discussion was like, okay, maybe she's just bad tactically. And she doesn't realize, you know, that you shouldn't say that even if you think that's what's going to happen. But then a lot of people were saying, well, maybe she doesn't really want to push for Medicare for all. Maybe she doesn't care. Maybe she's not going to fight like Bernie's going to fight. And I think a lot of people soured on her because it seemed like a waffle. It seemed like Okay, so she's not forgiving all student debt. She's forgiving most of it. You know? Yeah. She's not, you know, she she seemed like almost Bernie on a number of policies, but in the same, and then Medicare for All was a big, where, where I mean, you could just say it's correlation, but that's when her numbers started to take a, a nosedive. I yeah. think it was pretty clear to a lot of people that we can't trust her to fight for these really like obvious public goods that the richest country in the world should obviously have when so many other countries have them. Right. And then the question was, well, do we know her mind? What's the record? How can we determine if she's really behind, if she's, is she with us or not? Is she just pretending to be a leftist? Seems like she was a fighter, you know, 
uh, against the banks. It seems like there, there are a number of reasons to believe that she's kind of a, a certain kind of populist. This, I think, reveals a kind of cynicism, a kind of um, Hillary Clinton-esque, or just Clinton-esque, if you will. Uh, I don't want to say Machiavellian, because as we've talked about before, that's, an un- that's unfair to Machiavelli. Yeah. J- just a uh, a clear kind of abrogation of principle um, that tells me I can't trust her at all. Yeah. Well, you know, I would still say, I'll say two things. You know, um, I think she's still the second best candidate left in the race. Um, and I'll also say, you know, I mean, memory is a tricky thing. Conversations can be ambiguous. You know, there there was a there was a meeting where, Bernie tried to shake her hand and she brushed him off, you know. That was after the, the debate. They, they, yeah, after the debate where where um, you know, there there were just some like quick meetings. Tom Steyer was standing there like mm-hmm. an absolute dumbass. Uh and it seemed like they had a kind of bitter conversation. No one knows what they said. But um maybe she does actually believe that that's what Bernie says. It seems like there is an actual genuine disagreement. But Why again, the fuck didn't she deal with that before exactly. now? Yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah. Bringing it up right now really smacks of like Clintonite sort of muddy tactics. And in and in an, and again with Clinton in an incompetent way, because what's going to happen, you know, uh, Biden is but from the polling averages I'm seeing, he's still ahead in uh, Iowa and New Hampshire and Nevada and South Carolina by a, by a whisker. There've been polls with, uh, with, um, Bernie ahead in Iowa and in New Hampshire, but you know, who knows? Maybe. And I think very likely the dynamics change based on who wins. Right? Yes. Yes. But you know, getting the two camps to fight like cats in a sack, uh, is just going to hand the nomination to Biden. And I will say another thing, you know, Bernie Bernie attacked Biden at the beginning of the debate over his Iraq war vote in you know totally uh fair fashion but after that time nobody attacked him right not Warren not It's a Klobuchar. distraction from actually taking on the leader who is truly a neoliberal disaster that we should be attacking right Yeah exactly um and you know this to me looks like you you really couldn't have t- taken a better step to hand the nomination to to Biden. You know that uh, 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 cynicism and incompetence. You know that Hillary Clinton, um, um, signature a beautiful m- marriage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, look, I don't. I'm not actually worried about that. It's a it's a threat, but um, I do think Biden's senility will will eventually be the end of him. But like, uh, sorry that that sounded more morbid than I meant. I meant electorally. <laughs> But but no the 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 thing that's really gotten me upset is I mean it is upsetting to kind of but look it's it would be upsetting to cede to Biden that kind of strategic and tactical advantage if you thought what the hell you're on my side why are you doing this to us the left why are you helping the neoliberals yeah but that presumes that Elizabeth Warren actually cares about helping the left rather than her own personal ambition. Yeah. And so that has led to, so, cause if she's a smart person, they're a smart campaign. This only makes sense in a couple of ways. 
right? She's dumb. I don't think she is. Or there's conspiracy theories about, oh, maybe she made a deal with Biden to get a cabinet position, to get a VP spot, who knows? And she's intentionally helping Biden, okay? Or three, she knows this would harm the chances that both she and Bernie have. Maybe it slightly helps her, but she knows it'll hurt Bernie. And she knows that it will harm the progressive wing of the party. But she doesn't give a shit because she cares more about her personal success and ambition, more than she cares about the people who would be helped by the left wing of the party winning. Well, uh, you know, there's another there's another possibility, one I'm generally attracted to, which is that it was just a bunch of incompetent, you know, or semi-competent, you know, flapping around, um, which is what, you know, the whole thing with Medicare for All felt very like a bunch of policy people who think they're political grandmasters trying to think, oh, we're going to thread this needle and not realize that backing off makes you look like a coward. Um, and... This, you know, it's, you know, maybe getting mad at Bernie over these these articles or or thinking this is our last chance and not really thinking about the consequences too much. Whether your accusation sounds remotely plausible to the extent that Joe Scarborough, of all people, is defending Bernie as being <laughs> baldly implausible. Right. So, so if this wasn't like brilliant strategy and it was just off the cuff, maybe somebody leaked something, maybe it was an idea that some staffer had, maybe whatever, and she's just responding in real time. That's still really weird, though, because yeah. she's responding as if she's very, very upset to something that she hasn't demonstrated being upset about for over a year. Yeah. And that, well, and the other thing is that she's doing the same type of thing with the Medicare waffle and like, kind of sort of leaning into the attack but also saying we should back off like there was a report in buzzfeed about how uh like a big twitter dm from the warren campaign with like a lot of their surrogates and whatever uh was saying let's not escalate this feud anymore but then when when bernie was he was you know he he did not he did not attack her he defended himself but he, he was like look you know i i just completely disagree with the the, the idea and like he, he i think gave that's her, he gave her an out she could have said it was a misunderstanding i thought he said that um or like maybe she could spin it that you know we i took it that way but but maybe he meant something different like he meant that trump will weaponize gender etc cetera, etc cetera. But she just went straight up for he's basically he's a liar. He did say exactly the thing he's saying he didn't say. And like not just to attack his integrity, call him a liar, but to call him a sexist, right? Is so I can't explain how different that is from someone attacking somebody's voter base or their ideas or or that look, we have different ideas about who would be good in office, or I think political change happens this way, or uh, you know. I think it's good for the country to push for Medicare for all, no matter what. All those things reasonable people can disagree about, and voters can choose rationally based on who they agree with, based on those differences. But to do an ad hominem attack to the person who was like your ally, has been your ally, and for people who are presumably differentiating themselves based on the principle right of being a leftist with integrity like the whole thing about the left is we're we have principles we don't compromise in the way that the neoliberals do and to basically attack bernie as being compromised and a liar and a sexist who doesn't think women can win the presidency that is such a dirty dirty smear right that 
even if you think that's going to help you in Iowa, I mean, that reveals character in such a way that there's no coming back for me from that, right? That to, to me, I don't care. Somebody, somebody tweeted something to the effect of, this reveals Warren to be less terrible politically than Biden, but more terrible personally in, that, in terms of character. And, and I don't know if that's true because Biden has his own character issues, right? <laughs> but, but like I could understand where that was coming from, right? Yeah. And again, going back to the, uh, uh, you know, the, the hesitation, you know, where, where like I feel like if Amy Klobuchar had something like this, she would not, she would stick the knife in, she would do it to your face, and she would not be timid about it. And Warren was like, you know, she never directly said that Bernie was lying about this. She just accepted the moderator's premise that he the, was. The, the moderator said he was lying about it, basically. And, and she's like, yeah. Yeah, and and then um, went, you know, went on after the debate, you know, her team was tweeting about how like, oh, we, you know, we believe women can be president because she was pre- getting selfies with all women after the debate in order to like, it was such a gross, obvious, cynical ploy, like hashtag me too. Like I j- just the, the worst, that, you know what I mean? Like it, it was that, the, uh, the worst that, kind of appeal. Can, can we, you know, we're both guys here, but, but can we, can, can I just say something about that particular comparison um, that, uh, it is if if you accept the whole Me Too movement, it is incumbent on you to take Warren's side in a dispute. You know, a, a a female politician's side in a dispute about you know what happened in a private meeting. Uh, that's a that's fucking nuts. Like, <laughs> and also is a terrible smear and um insults to what the the Me Too movement actually means. Yeah, I mean, this is about. You know, first of all, believe women refers to sexual assault, you know, not about arguments in a room about politics. And, and, you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of women, uh, in, in, in power who are incredibly duplicitous. Uh, Sarah Sanders, Kellyanne Conway, fucking Nikki Haley. The uh, Me Too movement is about also not essentializing all women to be some like, you know, um, Mary, mother of God figure, right? Women, yeah. women are not essentialized to be either Mary or Magdalene, right? Or they're, they, they are human beings in their fullness and can be yeah. lying. They can be honest. They can be all kinds of things. Yes. Yes. We, yeah. Well, you know, women politicians lie, I would guess roughly about the same rate as, as male politicians do. Um, and is denying their humanity to suggest otherwise. And, uh, you know, and, and the implication here is that, oh, if, if uh, you know, if, if Ann Coulter, Senator Ann Coulter from, this, from the state of Nazidom uh, says, you know, disagrees with somebody, you're supposed to automatically take her side. Like, give me a fucking break. This, this was one of the things that, that pissed me off most about Hillary Clinton's campaign, that being, you know, that anyone who suggested that centrist neoliberalism was bad was basically a racist or a sexist. The cynical deployment of identity politics in the negative sense. Yeah, right. And not only that, hiding behind all of these, weaponizing these movements were which were designed to liberate, you know, all of these horribly oppressed people and taking it for your own cynical advantage from people who really don't give much of a shit about, you know, sexual, you know, Hillary Clinton's husband, uh, you know, allegedly raped someone uh, in a very credible account. And, uh, you know, she never did anything about that. 
um, and discredited some of Clinton's other accusers. Never mind that when people are in power, the policies that they support has a tremendous effect on, you know, women, people of color. And yet the cynical deployment of identity politics says, you know, what's great is if we have a woman CIA director who you know, likes torture. <laughs> And, Hire and, and, more women and, guards. Yeah, exactly. More prison guards. Hire more, you know, female prison guards. So, like, I think our audience is pretty savvy and knows that that is that is not actually what feminism is about, and and that's not what anti racism is about, no. and that like those are instantiations of power dynamics, and that to simply want the torturers to be uh, more diverse is not <laughs> actually what the liberation movements are about. Um, but it is so frustrating to see somebody look, you know, we're going to hear I told you so from a lot of leftists, but so many leftists were warning us about Elizabeth Warren. And until like I, I tweeted out until this debate, I was like concerned about her motives, concerned about if she would really fight for leftist policies. But as you say, still clearly uh, category apart from Biden and Buttigieg and so forth. But yeah. now I don't trust her at all. I don't yeah. trust her at all. And to say that she's my second choice is to say that I have one choice and I will not do anything for her or any other potential candidate other than probably vote for them against Donald Trump, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure I would go quite that far, but but it is, a, I, I think, a real black really? mark. Really? You're going to go canvas for Elizabeth Warren after this? Really? You trust her? <laughs> I don't, I don't you know trust her that. to fight for the left? Really? <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, I'll, I'll think about it. But, but you know, certainly it's a huge black mark in my book against against her, you know, her her character, her tactical sense, and also revealing her campaign to be this 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 incoherent mess. You know, can I mean in this this maybe is another important thing that that it it shows how Warren lets people get under her skin, um, and you know to to not like one of the, one of Bernie's best characteristics is on message. You you have your 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 basic idea. You repeat it at every possible opportunity, and like not only that, it's not see it's it's not. I don't think you're saying this, but it's not a matter of uh, strategic difference or like bernie has a different no he's so principled that he wouldn't choose a different approach he's just going to say what he believes time and time again for the last 40 years and you know what the other thing is like if you think first about acquiring power and you're willing to compromise based on that that leads you to say not listening to bernie when he tells elizabeth warren to run because she probably gamed it out and thought you know what I'm not going to beat Hillary Clinton. Nope. I'd rather endorse Hillary Clinton and hope she hires me and puts me in her cabinet. I'm just speculating, right? Whereas yeah. Bernie, at the time, people maybe forget, he entered that race after that with like zero chance. He thought like this is obviously just to raise the left's perspective and try to influence the primary, right? Yeah. I, and so, and yet he still ran for office and went to 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 the effort of doing that. So, like, you can have a nightmare campaign if you're fucking triangulating all the time because what you care about is winning more than you care about being principled and influencing the debate in accordance with those principles. So, like, the fact that people don't realize, hey, guess what? Being principled is good tactically and strategically, too. In yeah. fact, people really like clarity and, like, consistency and being principled. That would yeah. be a wonderful thing for people to learn. But when people have that character anyway... They don't need to learn that lesson. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, though, I think, you know, Bernie is more tactically savvy than a lot of people give him credit for. You know, he was the amendment king when he was in the House, um, you know, making a lot of, uh, you know, compromises to get things that he wanted. You know, he got a bunch of money for community health centers in Obamacare. Um, all, all sorts of other, you know, um, shoot. He voted for the crime bill, but he ranted against it, you know, yeah. but he, he voted for it because it had, right, it protected women, right? And the, the that's another thing, policy-wise, right? Uh, the, the Violence Against Women Amendment, right? Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, that sort of thing where, you know, you, you lay out your line, you see what you can get, you know, you make some deals and, you know, you, you take half a loaf or a quarter of a loaf if, if it seems like that's all you can get in the moment. But, you know... In the context of a campaign, it is almost never a good idea to be responding to, uh, you know, the opponent's characterization of you. And when a a big warning sign in retrospect was when Warren did that DNA test, you know, which uh, to 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 prove she was, you know, very slightly Native American or something like that, uh, to to try to try to take on uh, Trump's. calling her Pocahontas, um, you know, which uh, infuriated one of the uh, Native American leaders, I forget who, and kind of blew up in her face big time. But just not to realize that the thing to do is to just just ignore it. Or have the humility to say, I probably shouldn't be portraying myself as Native American, right? Or having the humility to say, yeah, I don't think maybe... Maybe Bernie's not a sexist misogynist, you know, maybe I misunderstood or maybe, you know, that takes a kind of humility and a kind, see, because you're framing it in terms of tactical and strategic uh, stupidity, which it is. But like, if you have the character, right, to be principled, to be humble, to have these things, I don't think you have to be smart. Yeah. Well, I mean, both is both is better, you know, and I think... uh, I think, Ber- you know, Bernie's stubbornness and one note uh, uh, appearance a lot of times is is actually just, you know, him reflecting his principles in a way that is quite politically savvy. Just to say, you know, as as, as Frank Luntz, you know, the Republican um, pollster once said, you know, what what you do in, in, in messaging is, you, you know, you repeat yourself, you repeat yourself, you repeat yourself again and again and again and again. By the time you're sick of hearing the sound of your own voice, the person you're trying to reach is hearing it for the first time. And that, you know, that is the approach he's taken in his whole career. Yeah. And it works really well. It works really well, but also it's more sophisticated than people realize. Yeah. This debate and the last debate, uh, let's see if you if you agree with this, brought out how he is actually the intersectionality candidate. So the moderators last time uh, gave him shit for answering a question on race by starting with climate change. And like they didn't give him time. And he eventually answered this because as soon as he started to talk about climate change, they said, please answer my question on race. And like he made the point is, well, basically, have you heard of environmental racism? Like this is connected to race. Yep. And the same thing happened this time. When he was, he answered a question, um, and he brought up trade. Do you remember this? Uh, yes, vaguely. Yeah. So um, he was asked about trade. I should say he was asked about trade, and he brought up brought up climate change in response, and talked about trade in the context of climate change. And they said, "Thanks very much, but can you please talk about trade?" And he says, "They're the same thing on this issue." 
right? Like you can't, you can't separate them. So even though he's consistent, like he sees how connected the various issues are, whether it's race, class, environment, these things come together. And that's like a socialist vision is to see how inextricable these various issues are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's a real temptation. You get a lot of people, you know, they're on Twitter, they're looking at the news coverage. It's like, oh, we got to do something about this. Let's think of something. And, and, you know, in many cases you could just bowl through, just don't, don't even address it. Don't admit anything. Just, just keep going with your own particular message. And, um, you know, the, what the media is looking for, what they love is, is drama and conflict. People, yeah, conflict and people, people melting down, people uh, in chaos, Dems Especially between the left wing, so that Biden yeah. can just like sail off into the sunset and not be challenged when he said literally that women can't win and that's why you should vote for him. When he, like, when he lies about his, his role in the Iraq war and, and, and so many things he could be attacked on. The media doesn't care and, and the can- candidates don't care when they're kind of enmeshed in this intra-left battle, uh, but the media loves it, especially when it's among the left. Do you, you know, what's ridiculous is CNN, do you know who they always have on? They never have on Bernie. I don't know if they have on Warren, but they never have any Bernie people or Bernie himself. Amy Klobuchar is always like the first person or Mayor Pete. Yeah. And like Amy Klobuchar is like the fifth place person right now in the Iowa polls. Yeah. If you go back to any other primary, the fifth place person a couple of weeks before the caucus, there's not one mention. Like in all the hours of the evening's coverage, not one mention. It's like their, their go-to person. Let's talk about how the fifth place person did. It's absurd. It's absurd, you know? Yeah, you you don't have to be Noam Chomsky to see what's going on there. You know, they they like Klobuchar because she's an austerity neoliberal. How do you how are you gonna pay for that? with the exception of wars, those are always free. Um, and you know, I'm a, I'm a hard headed, realistic, you know, uh, politician who will make tough choices. And if you disagree, I'm going to brain you with a stick. I'm here to tell you what's not possible, baby. Yeah. 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 The centrist rally, the, the better, better things aren't possible. I think this is why I'm so upset because Warren had such great moments in this campaign in a debate with John Delaney where she kind of went off on him for, I don't really understand why you go to the trouble for running for president to say what you won't fight for and what's not possible. Yeah. And then went on with Medicare for all to be like, well, we can't get it through in the first glug. So passing it in the third year of your presidency, when your majorities are almost certainly much less than they were uh, uh, two years ago, that's the smart. If the smart everything move. works out the way that we hope it does, maybe we'll get you this thing that I said we would do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean... It, so I don't want to fucking hear it about how she's a movement politics person, like just like Bernie. Because that was... Some people were saying, actually, you're not being fair to Warren. She is just like Bernie in terms of ground-up movement politics. And by that, we mean, look, you don't accept current polling on what's possible. You move the freaking needle, right? Yeah. Like, you you talk to people, because most people, as Dave Kibe has uh, blogged about and has talked about... The most important thing that people don't think about in politics is what he calls slack. Yeah. So many people who aren't paying attention to politics, who don't vote, who don't care, who don't know like who Bernie Sanders even is. You you have all kinds of people who are really, you know, into the vision of universal 
healthcare, right? Canceling student debt, all these great ideas. And then you just knock on doors and you have a bunch of volunteers who are going to go out and organize and mobilize. That actually will change what's possible in a way that like, I don't care what the current makeup of the, the House and Senate is because there will be such an awakening from the slumber of so many people who realize what's possible. You know, day one, yeah. Bernie Sanders cancels all the student debt. You know what I mean? This will change what's possible. Yeah. Yeah. You can, and you could at least try, you know, I mean, contrary to the Obama approach where you just sort of survey the interest group lines and see what you can get after you buy everyone off and like, Oh geez, our policy fucking sucks after that. You know, you, 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 uh, you can at least make that effort, you know, and at the end of that process, maybe take half a loaf, you know, of some to, to, to whatever you can get. But, you know, it's it's just madness to to pre-compromise. But you see how people talk themselves into it, I think, with this Warren thing. Like, oh, the polling that this apparently was probably a big inspiration uh, for the, uh, the 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 Medicare for all backtrack. There was a there was a New York Times poll got big play uh, that that, uh, you know, all the all the Democrats were basically neck and neck with Trump. Uh, in all the Rust Belt states, and and they're like, oh, you know, you you look at Medicare for all polling bracket if you talk if you prime the the recipients right. if against you ask the, it, if you ask the questions in a particular way, yeah, then it's polls very badly, and so we need we need to we need to back away from this, not thinking that like, well, you don't you don't know you don't know in the context of you know a real effort to get it through what that's going to be like. And maybe you can't pass it. Maybe, maybe you, maybe you can. And but. the kind of person who's going to shiv Bernie Sanders a long time alley, right, over this bullshit is not a person I trust to like have the courage to do. Do you remember when Bernie Sanders came out and said, you know what? Everyone should vote, including anyone that's incarcerated. Like, yeah, legit unpopular idea. Tremendously unpopular. Like, yeah. there's just zero chance that anyone would say that if they did any polling. They'd be like, ah, you know what? That's going to make me look real bad. That's that's going to people are going to hate me. Yeah, well, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Bernie did did uh, say that, but you know, he he probably if he did look at some. But I'm going to do it that. anyway, though. Yeah, that's yeah. the cool. That's it's the principle. It's, it's the called book. leadership, statesmanship. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, you even be thinking like, you, you, I'm sure you could bring in some tactical considerations there. Be like, well, look. You know, maybe this doesn't pull that well, but uh, it's like a fucking quarter of the population of Florida, at least it used to be. Maybe it will be again with all the shenanigans down there with the legislature overturning the ballot initiative that reenfranchised most of the felons. But, you know, thinking like shore up my cred amongst the, the black population. And also, here's another thing Democrats never think about. Get you some more voters. You know, like expand the population of people who can who can support your your stuff. That's true. I, I like so what I'm coming to understand here is I think we both agree that not only is it better character and better um, for everyone to be principled and to fight for what we all deserve, but it's actually tremendously successful and comports with great strategy and tactics as well. Yeah, generally. I mean, there there may be instances in which you, the, you have no choice but to modulate things, you know, like when FDR became president, Jim Crow had a hammerlock on the South and there was really nothing he could do about that that wouldn't completely blow up his coalition. 
um, nevertheless, you know, his administration did, you know, take in that context some moves to try to, there's a great memo from Rexford Tugwell that Mike Consol posted that was about, here's what the New Deal is doing for African Americans. Here's why they're pissed off about it being like structurally racist in every way, basically, especially in the South. But nevertheless, how we might peel people off by extending them, you know, greater greater benefits, more work opportunities, so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, you know, I think in general, people drastically underestimate today the appeal of being um, principled, uh, stubborn, and not Consistent. backing down yeah. every time you run into the slightest headwind. I mean, part of why Trump supporters like Trump, I think, is that like, he doesn't give a fuck. Like he'll take on his own Republican party. He'll just, he just won't back down. And, um, you know, and so when he promises things, you know, we don't believe him, Yeah. but his supporters think, you know what? He doesn't capitulate to, yeah. in, to interests. <laughs> He's my asshole. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and Bernie's ours, but like, he is an asshole for the people. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a lovable asshole. I think so. <laughs> Look, I get some people who say, I believe he might have said that because he he's kind of brusque and maybe he's kind of an old, you know, uh, a guy who doesn't really, you know, curb his uh, opinions. He'll just say what he thinks. Yeah. But like at the end of the day, that's why he has integrity and character because he says what he thinks and he has a record that's consistent and we can kind of trust him. He has had to come around and be educated by his base on some things like he did better job this time around in terms of the people he hired being more diverse and, you know, he, no one that we have fight for us in any electoral position is perfect. And like, we have to push them and shape them and even like amongst ourselves, figure out what needs to be done um, so that we can influence them. And the question is, are they principled? Do they listen? Do they care? And can they like, respond to the people they purport to represent. Yeah. I would suggest that that is a categorical difference that I didn't know was exclusive to him in this race, but now I'm sure of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, he's, he's the guy, you know, I, I think this, this is, it's just clarifying, you know, it's, it's maybe not necessarily Bernie or bust exactly, but, um, you know, it's got to be an all-out, you know, effort, mobilization. Get him over the finish line. And By the way, that debate raised more money than any other uh, debate yeah. for any candidate. He got raised 15,000 donations in an hour. Um, I yeah. think because and his supporters were so mad at CNN. By the end of the night, I think he raised at least $1.8 million. Yeah, not bad at all. Not bad at all. Um. So where do we go from here? Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, this may be right. Ra- you know, we still got a few weeks before the Iowa caucuses and this maybe raises the question of, you know, how do you respond to this? You know, what, what should team Bernie do? And- Let me ask you, Dave Kybe has, has said to me, it's a mistake to get sucked into this. Focus on the fact that Bernie is the only one who responded to the Soleimani. I can't pronounce his name. Can you do it? General S- Suleimani? Suleimani. General Suleimani. Yes. Something like that. Yes. The head of the Quds Force that, that, that was drone strike assassinated by the Trump administration um, to start off the new year. 
Uh, he's the only candidate who unequivocally um, stood against that as, you know, an unabashed, not just procedural mistake that he didn't go to Congress, didn't advise the right people, but just a, a terrible, um, terrible act that wasn't merely extra legal, but immoral and uh, dangerous and was to be condemned because it's part and parcel of a kind of imperialism that we have done forever. Uh, whereas Elizabeth Warren and others had to condition their rebuke of it with, well, he was a bad guy and it's probably yeah. good that he's dead. Right. Quickly Googles Qasem Soleimani. Oh yeah, this guy's real bad. He, he must've been. So, so Kybe thinks that like we should focus on what really differentiates Bernie and a thing that I think a lot of voters resonate with, which is, Let's end the forever war. Let's not yeah. have the mentality that the Democrats really, really have, which is not that different from the Republicans when it comes to intervention, when it comes to military action and imperialism. How about we highlight that? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say that's definitely one thing to pick up. I mean, I would basically just ignore this, you know, just just move on. You know, there's no sense in like trying to troll Warren on Twitter. And no. I just don't think there's any percentage he's in that. He's not a negative campaigner. Focus on yeah. what he's fighting for. Yeah. And especially his contrast with Biden, because Biden has been, as you said, straight up lying about his, uh, about his role in the Iraq invasion. He's, he said that he opposed it from the moment it started, which is, it's just a straight up lie. In July, 2003, he gave a speech at the Brookings institution. That was, it was like voting, voting for the war, was the, you know, this is months after it started, voting for the war was the right idea. I'd do it again. You know, we, we were right to, to give George Bush the authority to go into Iraq. It's like, you, it's you, on the record. It's very clear. Yeah. And so also go after Biden, take him out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and don't the, drone him. That's not what I mean. Yeah. And also, you know, Bernie was the only one, uh, I mentioned this in my debate piece who was, uh, trying to save the nuclear deal. In 2017, when Trump started undermining it by passing new sanction on, sanctions on Iran, which were, you know, a, unquestionably a violation of the deal. And they packaged it with Russia sanctioned, which triggered all the resistance brains. And, you know, it's like Iran, Iran bad. Ugh. And only him and Rand Paul voted against the sanctions package. And Bernie was behind the uh, anti-Yemeni war legislation yeah. right yeah he got a bipartisan compromise with Tremendous. my yeah i mean you amazing. know amazing amazing you you the the popular stereotypes of, oh he's this pie in the sky utopian he he's so divisive he doesn't understand the realities of the legislation in fact machine. mike lee the republican just joined bernie right in in fighting and enforcing i mean this would be what the legislature would achieve if it was passed forcing uh congress to approve any further military action with iran yeah. So that's another bipartisan achievement. Yeah, and in this day and age that is a fucking astonishing. You know, that like to 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 get a bipartisan anti-war thing through to be teaming up with the the tiny handful of of legislators where there is a little bit of play ideologically. You know, you have Tucker Carlson, the neo-Nazi America first guy, um who is nevertheless kind of against uh, uh, the forever war, you know, seeing where you can make that bargain. And that I think is, is, uh, f fucking remarkable. 
You know, I, I never thought he would get that Yemen thing through, but he did. You know, Trump vetoed it, but still. He's tremendously skilled. He's tremendously yeah. skilled and principled. Um, and so, you know, focus on those things. Ignore this nonsense. But then for me, you know, knock on wood, if and when Bernie wins the nomination, I don't know that he should. Look, I, I'll, I'll not be surprised by the way that uh, dirty primary fights are, you know, left in the past. I was pretty surprised when Hillary Clinton was brought in to the team of rivals or whatever Obama's vision was for the cabinet. Yeah, but like his difference with her that was one of the main, if not the main things that helped him win was he did not vote for the Iraq war. And she's like, obviously hawkish. Oh, okay. So I win on my pacifist approach to imperialism. What am I going to do? I'm going to make Hillary the secretary of state. <laughs> like, yeah. And so, take all of her advisors into my, yeah. And policy. then, well, but of course he's also the guy I'm the community organizer. We're the like ground up grassroots politics. We're the ones we've been waiting for. Oh, I'm going to hire Tim Geithner and fucking like buddy up with wall street. Yeah. So we didn't see a lot of that coming. So I don't think because of 40 years of a track record, Bernie's going to do it. But I really hope at this point he does not bring Warren in maybe as like treasury secretary or something like that. But I am so bitter over this. Yeah. I don't, not VP though. Not I, VP. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I thought that would have made sense for him, but, but I, I think there's maybe just too much bad blood. Give but, me Barbara Lee now. Give me Rashida Tlaib. I don't know. Something, something else. Yeah. Bar. Yeah. Barbara Lee's pretty old, but, um, she'd be, you know, Ro Khanna maybe there, there, uh, there aren't that many options, but there That's are true. a few. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, by the way, just to return to the Biden conversation, I think the other thing worth emphasizing that uh, actually, you know, David Sirota, of all people, has been quite disciplined on this, not mentioning the Warren feud uh, and just talking about Biden's history of proposing cuts to Social Security and Medicare. You know, he did that in in the in the 80s, in the 90s. Um as vice president, you know, uh, the Obama administration was going to do a grand bargain with Republicans that would have had massive cuts to Social Security and Medicare So, in, in return for some slight tax increases on the rich. It only didn't pass because the Tea Party wackadoodles in the House would accept no compromise. Um, and, you know, he is just the avatar of austerity politics for his and, entire and, career. And the bankruptcy reform bill that was yep. like just totally harming people in need and helping the banks. It's just uh, he has always been in bed with and in favor of powerful economic forces as against uh, the working people. Yeah, yeah. And lying about it, too, saying that, you know, he gave a speech in the in the uh, at the Brookings Institution in 2018, which clearly implied that Social Security should have means tested cuts uh, it it should become less generous to to the wealthy to make it more solvent, and that we need to do something about about Medicare and Social Security. Um, and you know, he said that he had just been mocking Paul Ryan about that, which is if you just read the speech in context and you know his career is complete horseshit. Um, and you know, that is a fucking liability, especially, you know, you look how old his base is. There are a lot of old people there who, who, who I think, you know, they, they, they just have trouble believing that Biden would say something like this, but he absolutely did. And there are speeches where he's like, you know, I like just yelling about how he said, oh yeah, I would, 
I would uh, freeze all social, all spending, social security, everything, and stop, you know, the automatic like cost of living increases you get in social security to keep track, uh, keep, keep up with inflation. I'm up for re-election this year, and I'm going to remind everybody what I did at home, which is going to cost me politically. I, when I argued that we should freeze federal spending, I meant Social Security as well. I meant Medicare and Medicaid. I meant veterans benefits. I meant every single solitary thing in the government. And I not only tried it once, I tried it twice, I tried it a third time, and I tried it a fourth time. Um, and so... You know, I think Biden's still the... I mean, we'd have to do, I don't know how many episodes. I mean, if the topic was how terrible Biden is and his track record, I don't even yeah. know how many hours we would go. Um, but like one of my favorites is... My favorite thing about how terrible Joe Biden is is how earnest he is about his terribleness. Like he doesn't think he's bad. It's like Klobuchar. Yeah. Sometimes when he's not just lying. Right. When you he's not if lying. He just forgot. Yeah, the senility thing. But like, for example, he was talking at a town hall, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, about, you know, lobbyists. So they don't just influence by bribing people. Like, sometimes you don't, you know, you people, you don't realize how it works. When when somebody donates $100,000 to your campaign, you're grateful. You're just like, I needed that money to win. And and, and so he's actually talking to the audience right now. He's like, and they become your friend. He's like very earnest about it. And like, it's like, of course, you're so grateful. They helped you. And so when they call you, like, it's my buddy who helped me out. It's my buddy who gave me $100,000. Of course, I'm, I'm going to develop a friendship with them. I'm so grateful. And like, when they give me their opinion, I'm going to really listen. It's my friend. And like, so it's, and so he was doing this by way of saying that like, you know, it's not just uh, lobbyists bribing people, but sometimes there's influence that yeah. is uh, not... Cultural capture. Yeah, but he was literally describing his own experience and like basically rationalizing it as okay. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine to be hanging out with rich people all the live long day. Yeah. And this, by the way, you know, I think this is maybe one of the more promising moves in, in politics is the innovation of the Bernie crowdfunding model. You know, AOC doesn't do the infamous call time because she doesn't need to. She's she's right. famous enough. She just rakes in the small dollar donations and then she can fucking do her I job. I remember talking to the communication director for a House Democrat and being just astonished because he said, this is just TV appearances. He said that his, so the person for whom he worked, the uh, the House Democrat, made like 170 TV appearances um, in the nine months that had like that the year that we were in, like it was like nine months into it, you know, it's like, yeah, he's already made 170 TV appearances. And I just read, I just did the math. It's like, what the yeah. fuck? How much time does he have for literally anything else? And that's not even, you know, the, the and that's not the calling for money. That's just like I, I've, promotion. I've, I've seen schedules. I don't know if they're exaggerated or not, but th these have been reported that 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 freshman congressmen need to spend three to five hours a day on the phone, just asking for begging money. for money. Yeah. yeah, and it just it sounds, you know, number one, okay, corruption. That's horrible. But number two, like. Fuck that. That sounds so horrible. Like, Terrible. 
Like yeah. ju- just calling up some- what that does to your being, you know. And so, if somebody says, "You know what? You don't have to do that anymore. I got a lot of money." How much are you yeah. gonna be like? Wait a minute! I don't have to call people for five hours a day anymore. Hell yeah! yeah. What do you want me to do? <laughs> And then, and this, I think, you know, is another promise of the Bernie because Bernie is the king. He is the money king. He's raised more money than anyone. And what he shows is that until we have a properly publicly financed election system that doesn't require any fundraising or almost none, um, the Democrats could have their money cake and eat it too. They could have shitloads of money enough to be competitive in a presidential race without the stench of corruption that comes from having to be on bended knee before the plutocrat class, you know, of fucking half your waking life. And um, and also be able to, you know, govern the country and not, you know, be like... They literally have the time to think about how you should represent the interests of the people well and serve the common good. (laughs) Like literally five hours a day more to think about that, right? Uh, rather than presumably delegate it to like the lobbyists and your staff. Yeah. Yeah. And end up asking rich people what they think. Or, or, or just, Hey, I don't even need to think about it. Cause like, I'll just do what the people funding me say I should do. Yeah. And this is, I think, you know, uh, uh, Bernie's talked a little bit about this, but you know, building back up an institutional, a capacity in Congress, you know, Congress used to have much more s- staff money, um, they used to be paid much better. You know, Congress hasn't been uh, hasn't had a pay raise in many years um, to to be able to uh, uh, not like do these sort of investigations and analyses in-house rather than having to go to fucking McKinsey for it or whatever. The, the, oh, we'll give it to you for free. It's not free. You know, this comes with strings attached and they are very long strings and hard to untangle. But like, you know, the, the, it's it's not a neutral fucking assessment. And the, the strings are elect Mayor Pete president. <laughs> he is our Trojan horse. He is our CIA operative. Yeah. Maybe as a as yeah. a closing thought, what do we think? What do we think of Mayor Pete? Is he worth uh, is he worth thinking about? You know, I mean, his polls have nosedived in Iowa. Um, Have you seen the uh, Netflix series The Politician? No. Okay, you should see it. It's it's um, it's about it's it's essentially the story of Mayor Pete. <laughs> it's it's a, a high school um, drama with a student running for uh, student body president, and it is essentially Mayor Pete. It's 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 because Mayor Pete's the guy who in kindergarten knew he wanted to run for president. Yeah, and his whole life was crafted to secure uh, the success of that ambition. It, it, it kind of dramatizes what kind of person that is that does that and yeah. how they think and operate. And the way I think Mayor, about Mayor Pete is like, look, a lot of these politicians we can't trust, and who knows what they'll do. And maybe Kamala Harris, for all her faults and being a cop and being a prosecutor, you know, it scares the hell out of me to think of who she would have had as the attorney general. But like. She's a pretty savvy operator. Maybe she'll be really progressive. Maybe she'll do really lefty things if the winds are moving that way. Um, Mayor Pete is both someone who I don't trust at all, who seems to just make the most cynical arguments in in a very intelligent way uh, at any given opportunity and to flip-flop like crazy, but also somebody who I think might also really buy into like the neoliberal meritocratic ideology who thinks yeah. that like the fact that he speaks seven languages 
is what supposedly. matters. Supposedly, right? Um, he could say, um, I will exploit you in seven languages or something, <laughs> right? But you know, so like he deserves to be part of the ruling class. And what matters is that he's in charge. Yeah. Um, I earned it. I was a consultant. I went to Afghanistan for seven months. Yeah. And the terrible mayor of a small city that happens to have Notre Dame as an institution there. And like, you know, the really obvious problems with uh, police violence and harm against the black community is something he's very, very terrible at handling. Um, but that shouldn't matter because he speaks seven languages. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, there's a great article in The Root that's about like Mayor Pete's relationship with the uh, sort of like institutional black community that's just like incredibly devastating. You know, it's just exactly how you would think uh, uh, a Mayor Pete administration would go, where it's just like like finding the status quo uh, uh, like vector and following that. There was a quote recently, we should probably find what he actually said, um, where he says something like, I want to meet with Asians and black people and Hispanics. Cause I really want to get to know, you know what they're about and like what, what, what they really want. <laughs> some, some like ridiculous statement that treats these groups as if they're not just, you know, human beings. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, and just essentializes them. And yeah, he's such a smarmy little fucker. Uh, I don't mean to uh, insult his height. That's not my point, but like he seems to be a robot triangulated to say whatever, <laughs> right. He thinks can calculate in his mind yeah. to gain advantage. The biggest combination of money and votes, uh, from over 65. He's like Bill Clinton without any of the empathy. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, and that, you know, maybe going back to tactics a little bit, uh, it, it shows that the, the, the dangers of that kind of approach, because there, there is such a thing as being too cynical. And the thing about mayor Pete, you know the left media is not that pop not that powerful but it does exist and it does have some power and he inspired hatred in the left media uh very quickly by turning on medicare for all by attacking it by attacking free college um yeah the, the talk about cynical deployment of arguments I'm against uh forgiving debt and free college because that would help the millionaires yeah the millionaires who really, are not motherfucker. Going to be really, yeah. really. You're you're principled against forgiving debt and public co public college for people because you don't want to help. Really, you're just you're really, really fighting for the people in that stance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The and in the explicit policy from Sanders and Warren uh, is to fund free college by, by taxing, taxing the, the rich. rich. And he knows this. He knows this. Yeah, of course. He, yeah, you're defending the rich by doing that. You are, you are protecting love, them from taxes. I love the Jacobin article that simply, wasn't it simply like a, a reprint of the college essay written by Buttigieg yeah. when he like loved Sanders and socialism? Yeah. Yeah. Been his, his uh, brief idealistic phase, I suppose. Um, but can I just say, you know, I was in the Peace Corps for two years, more than three times as long as Mayor Pete was in Afghanistan. So frankly, I should be president. I agree. Um, I guess I'm too young to run, but but next time, 2024. You'll get there. Yeah. We'll groom you. <laughs> <laughs> Go to this, the, the small donor banquet, you know, we'll <laughs> have a warehouse with 50,000 people in it. <laughs> uh, 
this is uh it's been a good venting for us. Yeah. I think a good clarifying. Clarifying I, is the word. I thought about bringing in all kinds of political theory. I didn't, but I could have mentioned <laughs> Hannah Arendt and Machiavelli and the ancients, but like I was really really pissed but also enlightened by the way in which the public sphere reveals character and moments of pressure and crisis and I think Elizabeth Warren has done a favor for us in this system of representative democracy, which uh, for those that don't know is something, it's a made up term by Alexander Hamilton in 1777. Uh, Democracy is not supposed to be representative, but insofar as elites are supposed to make decisions on our behalf, we need to know their character and what we're likely to trust them to do or not do. And she, in this moment of crisis and pressure has revealed herself in a way that is helpful. So thank you, Elizabeth Warren for revealing your true nature. And may your campaign um, crash and burn. <laughs> and may yeah, and, all of you... And so, Biden's campaign yes, crash and burn a lot more. Absolutely. May her car crash into Biden's car <laughs> and they both burn. And not literally die, but just the figurative campaigns. Yeah, you know, a nice fender bender that just t- fouls up the interstate for 20 miles in either direction. Exactly. Um, exactly. And that, you know, that's my conclusion as well. You know, it, it's it's Bernie... It's got it's got to be him, you know, and so we just got to exert every every muscle that we may have in our takes or in our phone banking or or donations or whatever uh, uh, to to um, get him over the finish line. Fight everyone else. Push Bernie the way he needs to be pushed. But as far as electoral politics are concerned, that's what the focus needs to be in 2020. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. Bye-bye.